Keegan and Company is not a licensed mental health service and should not be a substitute for professional help. In these conversations, we touch on a variety of mental health issues and the advice given is general in nature. So if you are struggling, please seek professional advice or call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Enjoy the episode. Keegan and Company. It's Keegan and Company, the company you keep. That's it. That's got to be it. Welcome back to the Keegan and Company podcast. Before we kick this podcast off, I do have a small favor to ask. If you could all please jump on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, if you could all please like and subscribe, uh, it does mean a lot and it does go a long way. So I would be forever thankful. So thank you very much. Now, I'm, I'm really excited to kick this episode off. I've got one of the greats in studio, uh, PT, co-founder of the 440 Run Club in Bronte and just all-round legend. Trent Knox, how are you, brother? How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Mate, I, um, I jumped on the 440 Coffee Club this morning. Um, yeah, I saw you. Four thirty in the morning, yeah. mate, and you'd had already done. You'd already been running kilometres. You'd already gone for a swim. How are you feeling? Do you get a Do you get a nap in today? <laughs> yeah, so I did a uh, what I call a. It's it's become known this year as a. It's a four forty pop up. Yeah. And uh, I was sharing it on the on the coffee club this morning, and how that came about about uh, maybe three or four months ago. One of the guys that I've been training for a number of years, a guy called Petey Vines. He sent me a text on a Monday or Tuesday and he just always likes just, you know, plant seeds or tell me what he's been up to. And he, he said, I'm going to do a solo 440 tomorrow. Yeah. So that would have been probably Monday. He was going to do Tuesday. And when I written back, oh, that's awesome. Cool. And then he wrote back, he goes, I hate doing it on my own. Yeah. And I wrote back, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I sort of know what that feels like. And then what I didn't realize, he'd actually planted a seed in my head. And I, and, and when he said that, I thought, shit, I haven't, um, I actually haven't done a solo 440. I had had the whole place to myself in yeah. years because, you know, um, I've got 100, 150, 200 people there every week. Yeah, so yeah. I don't actually have the luxury and, um, of having it to myself. And I went, oh, I wonder what it feels like. Anyway, I, I forgot all about it. And then a couple of days later, I woke up at 2.30. So like an hour before I normally get up, I just woke up, eyes wide awake. Mm. And it was weird. And something just said get up and run so i just jumped out of bed to put my gear on and bolted across the bronte i got there at about five to three yeah. i took a photo <laughs> Jeez, far out, yeah. and and what was what was really cool was um because it was just me and i wasn't in a hurry just i actually stood there for a moment and and, and looked up the hill and it was just this overwhelming just feeling of just calmness and 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 you know i you, you could really i felt really present and it felt like it wasn't the middle of the night where everything's dead. Mm. And it just it was just felt like that hour before, so four o'clock, there's a bit more movement out there on the streets, which I'm normally up in that range. I thought this is really cool. And then I just put my music on and I ran, you know, ran my ten laps and by the time I finished and jumped in the water, there's already a few old blokes like swimming in the pool at Bronte, mm. which I thought was really interesting. And that was at about like, you know, twenty to four. Yeah. Um, and I'd saw their cars turn up while I was running. And then, I've, you know, over the last few months, I've, I've found that if I'm having, you know, a bit overwhelmed or there's stuff going on in my world, um, I sort of map it out mentally about two days before. Yeah. I thought, you know, I'm going to do a pop-up on Thursday. And uh, I hadn't done one for a while until this morning, and um, it sucked. You know, my body's been a bit out of whack because of city to surf, and I've had a bit on my plate, and, you know, a few, few sort of changes in my world lately, and... and yeah, it just, it was a grind. It was just, yeah, it felt like shit. But 
got to the end of it, got in the water, and I knew I had to be there. You know, I didn't regret being there, but it was just, it was a grind. And uh, so, yeah, got on the coffee club, I saw you, and I, and I like to sort of share that stuff. And, and that allows me to, to run. I did my run dip sip before I even jumped on the coffee club this morning. Mm. And I was sort of, I guess, trying to prove and show to people that, like, you can do a lot when there's no one else around. And the phones aren't ringing, the emails aren't going, and... You know, no one's badgering you and you can actually, you know, for me, I, I needed to be there and it worked. What do you think about that conversation around like overtraining versus just working hard? Because I'm, mate, I'm guilty of it. Like my, my coping mechanism, similar to a lot of the boys is training, like yeah. overtraining. Anytime that I'm feeling out of sorts, anytime I'm a bit stressed out, I'll, I'll go for a run or I'll go yeah. for, a, I might do a double session a day, a triple session, whatever it is. And I think it makes me feel better. Well, it, it does yeah. in the moment. It gives me the rush of endorphins. But there's always that balance between probably pushing it a bit yeah. too hard and in comparison to that, but you still got to work hard. Like you still got to be, what are your views on working hard versus overtraining? Yeah, look, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm 44 now and yeah, the overtraining component now um, for me is when I don't want to sit still. Yeah, It's a pretty clear cut sign that I've got a lot going on. It means I haven't been meditating. It haven't means I haven't been... Um, prioritizing you know my mental physical spiritual health there might be stuff going on in the, in the exterior with relationships work and all that sort of stuff so for me overtraining is distraction mm. um it is a distraction i should say and you know like you said you've still got to do the work but as you get older you got to work smarter yeah. you know and and you know and that's through understanding your body understanding how much rest you need but you know in, in your youth you don't think about that you know, you just, you're on the go, you work hard, you train hard, you play hard, you do all that sort of stuff. As you get older and you have more responsibilities, um, you might be carrying more trauma, you might have, you know, a whole lot of shit going on in your world. We constantly want to numb ourselves, yeah. you know, and that could be training, it could be, it could be alcohol, it could be substances, it could be food, you know, it could be sex, you know, yeah. there's all these things. So, so it's not just overtraining, it's, it's overliving sometimes. And, and as you get older, you know, it, it has, um, there's consequences, yeah. you, you know, you will break down, you will wear yourself out. And I think that leading in for me today to do my pop-up, I've, I've been experiencing fatigue, mental fatigue, yeah. my body's probably a bit fatigued from all the running I was doing a few months ago and, and lack of maintenance. So there's a, a reminder and there's a sign from the universe is like, you've got to do more maintenance, more recovery, more rest. And I need to prioritize, you know, my mental health again too. But you still did the pop-up. Did the pop-up. I ran at a pace that worked for me and right. that was still a grind. Yeah. When I say it was a grind, it was hard. So I slowed the pace down and it was still hard. Yeah. But I never put myself into a position where I was going to collapse mm. or I was angry because I have, um, I guess, in, in sobriety and the, the work I do around um, meditation and, 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 and I guess my, I guess the spiritual side of things is I'm pretty good at taking my foot off the pedal, Yeah. you know, and I never train when I'm angry. Mm. I can be frustrated, but if I'm angry, which is very rare these days, I have, you know, I have coping mechanisms to help with that. Um, I don't train. To me, when you're angry, punching the shit out of a bag and running up and down the hills, You'll come off second best every time. Yeah. You never, you, you never, it's never successful. It, it might be put a band aid on the problem. Yeah. But if you keep doing that every day, you're going to end up, you know, you're going to end up injured. Yeah. And then when you're injured, 
you're even angrier because you can't train anymore. We had this conversation on the weekend. Yeah, no, this is that conversation. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's counterproductive. So, you know, the only way to, to manage that is, is, is you get wiser as you get older yeah. and you get more intuitive and you, and you know what you're going to do because like I've done this before, I've punched the shit out of a bag, I've lifted heavy weights, I've you yelled and sweared and screamed at everyone and, and it didn't get me anywhere. Mm. So today it's like I still need to prioritise rest but I know when things are building up with me, what I can do, I can go for a swim, mm. I can meditate, I can go and have a walk with a mate. But the last thing I'm probably going to go and do is go and run the 440 flat out. That's probably such a great bit of advice, hey? like just knowing where you're at, yeah. probably, and like being able to pull it off instead of going to run the 440, going for a swim, yep. going for a walk, mate. Oh, that's that's probably like a little bit of advice that I need to take on a little bit, to be honest. Again, it's, it's, it's life experience and learning by your mistakes, yeah. you know, and taking responsibility that it's, it's, it's up to you how you get up in the morning. It's up to you how you go to bed tonight and, and what tomorrow morning looks like. And, and it's up to you. Like it might be as simple as doing a quick check-in when you wake up yeah. and when your eyes open, you go, right, how do I feel? Well, I feel a bit average. Cool. I still need to get up and move, but I might drop it into second gear rather than going out at fifth gear just to keep up with the boys mm. and show them I'm, you know, I've still got it. You know, that's, that's where you do your harm. I remember in footy, you gotta, you gotta show up every day. Yep. Like no matter, no matter what, how you're feeling. And most of the time you're usually training injured pretty yep. much. And I guess it's a different environment to every day, yes. but you could be playing busted. You, you, you know, your bad shoulders, you're probably in a poor headspace. You still got to show up and do the exact same thing as everything else. But on the counter to that, I guess having that group of boys and those group of mates around probably still helps you be able to turn up, right? Like 100%. that's, that's probably yeah. the whole community thing. And yeah. that's why 440 is so great. Probably mate, it's probably worth just touching on rewinding the clock back a little bit. Like yeah. obviously we've been talking about 440 and um, I know probably a lot of people know the run club in Bronte, but mate, can you touch on probably just a little bit about your childhood to begin yep. with? I guess and you're probably a very active sporting kid growing up, a little bit yep. about this, a little bio, what's going on growing yeah. up and then how we let into, how we let into the 440. Yeah, right? sure. Um, Look, um, my old man, um, he played rugby league. Yep. He played for South and, and for Newtown um, back in the 60s. And, you know, he didn't have an extended career. But off the back of that, he was always, a, like, you know, back in the day known as a, in the, the, a fitness crank, you know, always around training. That's what he did. Um, always trained with his mates and, and always around different people, you know, and, and that carried him, you know, past football. So when we were, when my, old, my brother was born, I was born, um, my old man had a bit of a rough upbringing. He was a tough bloke, yeah. and um, you know, with his with his upbringing, he wanted to give us the best of everything, so that and and keep us out of trouble too. Yeah. He didn't want us to go down the same path as him, right. and so it was sport. You know, so we swam at an early age. We got into swimming, and we swam because he wasn't a swimmer. Mum couldn't swim. Uh, he grew but up living in the east, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, you we're at the beach. Have to. Yeah. yeah, and 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 Dad had an affiliation with Clovelly Surf Club. Uh, he wasn't a strong swimmer, but he, he was self-taught. Mum had, you know, experienced a near, well, she calls it a near-death experience, but almost around as a child, so fearful of the water. Okay. So because of that, um, she never really dealt with the trauma, but got us into swimming at yeah. an early age and supported us in that capacity. Um, you know, we did all the school sports. Um, I played rugby union, played rugby league, but my, my passion was swimming and, and surf life-saving, mm. you know, and doing all that stuff. So I'd always been connected to sport um my my last few years of competition was surf life saving and i was a board paddler and you know sort of you know i'd achieved medals at sort of world and and national level 
And then I found real estate and I was fairly career driven early on. And, you know, the more I got it, more time I invested into real estate, um, the competition side of life um, disappeared. And, and for me, probably wasn't a good attitude to have. But as my career started getting, we started getting busier, I was doing less training. So when I was turning up, you know, for surf life saving competitions like your Sydney mm. uh, competitions, your, your state, your national. I was racing against people that I knew had been doing more work than me. Yeah, it had done the work. It just done the work. So, you know, it went from being a medalist to a finalist. Then it went from being a finalist to a semi-finalist. And I I just thought, fuck this. Mm. Like, I don't want to turn up knowing that I'm half cooked. Yeah. And looking back on it now, it was just not a good attitude to have. You know, it's just, it's just you know, and I, young kids I've worked with, it's just, you just got to keep chipping away. And I, and I probably had my time over again. I would have probably competed for a few more years yeah. and worked out ways of actually making up the training to still be competent. Um, so I did all that, got into real estate. Um, training has always followed me through my whole life. It's always been an anchor for me. Um, my dad had, you know, I think he, he sort of ground that, he ground that into both of us at an early age and, um, you know, his his methods weren't um, always great. They were actually are they a bit old school? Yeah, just like what's, what's, an, what's an example? Look, look, what do you mean? Good, positive was he was inclusive. You yeah. know, and always included people. Negative, just yelled and screamed. Yeah. And, you know, threw shit and 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 you know, there's a lot of forcefulness in what we did. Yeah. Um, you know, but look, that that's that was his environment. That's how he grew up. Um, but the the consistency with training and and you know training on weekends and all that sort of stuff carried through. Um, as I got older and I was spending more time in a career and, and, you know, with different friends, um, I, I went away from, and he was getting a bit older. So I had different interests in training. Training was an anchor for me every day to get up and train before I went to work. It was also there when I, you know, had a late night as well as, as young yeah. blokes do. And I had a good group of mates and we used to, you know, get out in the beers all the time. Um, so then, you know, going through the real estate career, Wheels started falling off. Um, I was sort of, I was, I was had a successful career for a while, and then, you know, and we'll probably talk about it today. But the wheels started falling off for me, and I was trying to sort of hold it all together. I was trying to train. I was trying to build a career. I was trying to, you know, go out and party at the same time as well. And and the party and the and the you know the alcohol and substance abuse sort of sort of took over. Mm. While that was happening, um, and in what I'd always been passionate about, I'd I'd coach kids. Um, in the nippers, I always trained with mates. I had a lot of mates over the years that would always hit me up to train yeah. when they were off balance and just to get back into it. And I, and I loved helping my mates out. And I started making a transition into doing some um, personal training. A, a, a couple of guys I knew from Bronte had a gym and I was helping out with some classes. Um, I was um, losing interest at a rapid rate in real estate. I was, um, mental health was, was just... It was no good mm. looking back now. I was trying to train myself. I was still competing in running events. And I was just doing a whole heap of stuff like we were talking about before, just distractions. Mm. I was doing everything apart from getting help. Mm. And then it, eventually what happened was a bunch of us started um, uh, doing a training session down at Bronte Cutting. And we took the track session, which was um, 10 400s, which is, you know, you probably would have done that playing football. It's a really good fitness Workout, you know, four hundred is a hard. Uh, it's a hard distance to and master. Slogan, and slogging ten of them out as well. Slogging ten, bloody and, tough, and, brother. Yeah, and, and you know, and limiting your rest. 
So we put it on the hill and we worked out the hill at Bronte was 440 metres and that, so that, that works. And we'd, we'd meet down there every Saturday and we'd race. Like we'd sprint to the top, walk yeah. back. And all of us, there's about, I don't know, anywhere between four to sort of eight of us, we all got fit and fast. And yeah. we're running amazing half marathon times. After that block, the boys dropped off. Um, I, was, I was probably the fittest and, and fastest running I've ever been. And I just kept turning up Saturdays. I thought, this is actually pretty cool. Keep mm-hmm. me out of trouble. Yeah. Start up the piss Friday night. Start up the piss Friday night. Yeah. Um, good start on my Saturday. So I was doing it on my own for a few weeks, and and I was and I was getting faster. And then I, after a while, I just looking back now, there's something in me that's like, you shouldn't be doing this on your own. Mm. Like it, you, you, I didn't find I could push myself as much. So because the other boys weren't turning up anymore, I started looping it. So I took out the sprint. I just run up to the top, come back down the hill, and I do ten laps. Yeah. So quick seven k, and then that got boring after a few weeks. So I set up an Instagram account and I thought, what am I going to call it? So it was 440 metres. I'll call it the 440. Yeah. And, and from there I started inviting people. Thought if, and this is where my old man's sort of, um, I guess, influence came into it, in, inclusion. You know, and, and looking back now, inclusion was, was, that seed was planted at a very early age and, and, and try not to be judgmental on, on, on people's abilities and, and, and their diversities, which is obviously a big an important um, part of our existence now in, in, in diversion. And um, I just started inviting people. Didn't care if you could run, we couldn't at all. You know, it didn't matter if you're fast or slow or overweight or whatever. Um, and I started inviting people, but the reality was no one was interested in running Re- hills at 5 a.m. on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, they, they already knew I was mad, but they... You know, they just they just pretty much said fuck off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I just put posts up. Um, eventually, some people started to catch on, and you know, like a, a good day was ten people, mm. and you wouldn't see anyone. How long ago was this? So that was twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Yeah, so wow, to June twenty sixteen was was when it all sort of began, and then for the next two years, um, I just kept putting posts out, kept inviting people. Um, I think I broke my foot at one stage and wasn't there for a while. And a few guys, you just turn up and would send a photo through. We put it up, or we wouldn't put a photo up at all. Um, I had no direction, no real um, vision on what its potential was because I was still drinking and I was still I was unhappy. I had um, bigger mental health issues than I um, than I actually realised. And, and looking back now, it was worse than you know what. I thought it was. I didn't think there was any problems. I think it was. Just, I thought I was normal. I thought what I was experiencing was normal. It's what everyone, everyone else is everyone, doing, right? Yeah, yeah, everyone else is going the same thing, and it will, it will, it will sort itself out at some stage. Um, then and then, Toddy Labinsis um, came Big into Toddy my boy. Yeah, yeah, he came yeah. into my life in, in in we'd met before, but came back in in, in sort of 2017, 2018, and it, after a few months of um, negotiating, I got him down and. You know, was he a bit hesitant at the start? Yeah, because well, he's a big guy. He's a big he, boy, he, mate. Ex-footy player. Ex-footy, he's a big guy. Crossfit. Yeah. You know, he's in the sporting space, and and he's not your guy that was going out and doing ten k runs and, yeah. and stuff. So, you know, and looking back now, you you sort of use him as a prime example. Um, it doesn't matter how connected you are, you know, mentally, physically, and spiritually, and how much you back yourself. There's always going to be fear attached to something new, and it's like, what if I don't keep up? Mm. you know what if i hold everyone up you mm. know what happens if i look stupid you know and and there it's a male thing um we create all these narratives which aren't real and and it prevent us from 
experiencing, you know, having new experiences. That was the biggest thing that I found when I got, when Toddy invited me down, when it was like two years ago and we first connected, is I come down to the run club. I was like, mate, I'm a, I'm a footy player. Like I just finished, yeah, yeah. I've just finished up footy. I was like, mate, I'm not built to be, a, I'm not built to run up, you know, 440 meter lap. Yeah. And he's just like, mate, mate, it's sweet. Like if people walk, people bring their dogs, people walk off to the side. If you want to run it, you can run it. But there was no, talk about like the inclusion part of it. There was no like, I don't know, alpha dominance thing. It was for everyone, all yeah. shapes and all sizes, which was, which was really cool. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, and, and that's, uh, but, uh, sorry, because when you said the alpha male, you just, it just hit the nail on the head. Like, they're the guys that we didn't attract earlier on because they want to be last. Yeah. And, you know, and they didn't want to be seen as not being strong. Yeah. And, 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 and true leaders. And I used to, and I guess I was them at one stage, you know, I didn't want to turn up to training and beat people and I wanted to beat guys I didn't like and yeah. I wanted to beat guys that thought they were great and they weren't. And that was where my head was at. I wanted to beat my brother all mm. the time. You know, and then when I when I got involved with this run club and I was going through my, you know, you know my ups and downs, um, I think I, I, a couple of fast runners finally turned up, even when I was fit, and they were and they were brilliant runners, and and that levelled me. I went, I remember one of the guys came up one day and said, "Oh, they broke the record for ten laps," and they got all oh, sorry, and I went, "No, it's really cool." Yeah. I said, "Um, um, because I realised in that moment that we were opening to good runners mm. who felt part of it." So they weren't, um, they didn't, they weren't sort of pointing their finger or looking down at us going, oh, why would we want to come and run with a bunch of random sort of people? Um, they felt like they were being part of something bigger themselves. So we had awesome runners. Then we had people that were 150 kilos that could barely walk. Yeah. We had people coming off the back of cancer and we had all this, and I'm like, oh shit, this is, I've never seen such a diverse group of people, mm. different of different color and different race and different religion and different beliefs and, you know, people with autism and, and, you know, and everyone felt, I guess, watching from afar, felt welcome. But, you know, going back to the big alpha guys, that was a big turning point going, this is, this is good for men because going to get them out of their own way and go like there's always someone faster there's always yeah. someone stronger there's always someone smarter than you and i think when you realize that you can take the pressure off yourself yeah um but yeah and and you know like when toddy got involved we we sort of attached to the hip and i think having someone you know by my side i was lacking a lot of confidence at the time i had no idea what 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 this thing was um you know and for the next couple of years i was still i was turning up i was not turning up um because you know i wasn't turning up because i'd had a big night because you know the pressure the pressure of life has sort of got to me again and i'd hit the fuck it button and mm. and and you know um gone out and done some damage and 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 that was you know it wasn't a fun part of my life but you know there i was involved with this amazing run club with amazing stories and amazing people and there's me not tapping into it was there any times where you just had a big night on friday night and either just like didn't come or rock up pissed like was there any no time didn't or? either either didn't turn up or i'd lie yeah. about how where i was you know and um just to to because i didn't want to let people down mm. and that's a male thing we we don't tell the truth because we don't 
we don't want people pointing the finger when you realise is the truth that sets you free. If you're telling your mates to say, oh, I've messed up, I'm, you know, I'm not in a good way, that's like, yeah, cool. But when you bullshit, then they can't help you. And so that was that was happening. Um, look, the gaps were getting bigger from um, when I was have a, had to have a blowout because I could I could I could just stop drinking and go right, I'm done. But and I've shared this before. But because I wasn't doing any work or getting in counselling or putting my hand up and go, hey, there's a problem, I need help. I was just drying myself out. But the trauma and um, and the mental health issues were just just sitting there festering. Mm. And they were waiting for me to hit a weak moment. They were waiting for me to pick up a drink and then it would just be chaos. So, in you know, in 2020, you know, everything was sort of bubbling to the surface and, and we're about to go into lockdown and... You know, looking back now, I had a couple of couple of big nights left in me, a couple of more sort of you know destructive nights, and and I, I think I did I did a couple then, and my last one was in June 2020. Um, and again, I've shared this, and and it just it was a rock bottom moment, which is one of many over a period of time. But I knew this rock bottom. I was I just remember thinking like I I can't I can't keep doing this to myself like. I'm not going to be around much longer if I keep doing this. That like, was the moment? You yeah. had the moment? Because, you know, like, people talk about, I had that, had that yeah, rock bottom moment. You yeah. know what I mean? And sometimes it's not a rock bottom. Sometimes it's there's just heaps. a build up. There's you know? always more rock bottoms. You know, it doesn't matter when you think you're, there's, there's, there's always, there's always something. Like I, there's, like I've had rock bottoms, I, I believe, and I, and I handle heart. There's more rock bottoms if I want to go and find them. Yeah. You, you know, and, and that could get pretty bad. But I was defeated. I was done. And, you know, I, I knew that um, I couldn't continue with the way I was living, doing it that way, because every every blowout was just getting bigger because I was just so, I guess I was sad. I was, um, I never, I didn't put a whole high value on who I was. I didn't believe in myself. I had no idea who I was. I knew there were, there were things that were there that were, were driving me. Like, obviously, there was something more Something outside of me that was steering, helping me steer the run club. There was mm. something going on outside of my control. You know, call it a higher power, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. People define it these days, but there's something that wanted to keep me around a bit longer. And um, you know, and then finally, Toddy and I had a chat, and and he offered. He said, "Look, what can I do?" And and I've shared again. I've shared this this in this moment for me. It was like when, those words when he said, "What can I do to help me have my moment of like this is on you." Mm. You know, there's no nothing one, no one else can no do. No one right? else can do anything. Yeah, you, we yeah. can we can be there and say, "Hey, I'm here if you need me." But it's it's the actions that I that um that I either take or I don't take. You know, and I and you know, in that moment, I just I just said, "Mate, there's actually nothing you can do." And I laughed, <laughs> and I got up and I and I gave him a hug. I said, "I'm going to go," and I took myself to an AA meeting, which I knew was gone. It was just up the road in 15 minutes, and that was that was 22nd of June in 2020. And, you know, we're in, um, looking back now and talking to a lot of um, sort of health experts and stuff, and um, I actually got sober in a really challenging period because we went into lockdown. Yeah, that was the toughest thing for everyone, right? And a lot of, a lot of alcoholics and addicts actually picked up during that period because they were isolated at home. Okay. Um, so I feel like I carried a heavier load staying sober during that period. But what I came to realize and what I realized I had to do every day, I did something kind for myself. I had to put myself first every day. So I had to meditate every day. I had to try and get in the ocean. I had to try and move every day. Mm. I had to try and get to a meeting every day. Or one of those things. You know, and I realized that if I do something kind for myself every day, I prioritize something kind for myself every day, 
that's one day extra I'll be sober. Mm. And they teach you in the program, you know, just for today, you know, just for today, um, stay sober. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week. Don't worry about what 10 years looks like. And literally for, you know, today's, you know, I'm three years and three months today. I've lived in the day. That's all I've done. You know, I, um, you know, and further to that, you know, and, and to add to the, to the run club, like the run club grew during COVID because we, we actually got shut down twice and we couldn't come and connect. The, run, the yeah. run club got shut down? But wouldn't it be outside? Like that everyone could still be out Well, moving? we had the restrictions on groups. Okay. And we were, we actually shut down before um, the government actually shut, shut the outdoors. We just, we got ahead of it and got some advice in 2020. So we got shut down and it was mid, mid um, March, thereabouts. We came back on about, um, I think, July 4th or July 5th of, yeah. of 2020. Then we got shut down again in June, June 18 in 2021. And we didn't have our comeback till June, uh, till December 18 in 2021. I remember that because we couldn't get permission because of, they were waiting for, the, for the, um, the vaccine rates to get to a certain point and, then, and because we were getting you know, hundreds of people, we couldn't still congregate. Mm. So we, we were shut down for six months. And, and I remember, so that's why we started the coffee club chat in, in 2020. We started doing these live chats and all pre-recorded, you know, and that's been, that's really been operating now since the 30th of March, 2020. So we're well over three years with that. And that sort of dovetails in with my sobriety. So I've actually used the, the coffee club chat of getting up in the dark every day and getting up and giving a ramble yeah. as sobriety. And it's, it's a, um, I've used it as a tool because even while we speak here today, I've got an alarm going off at 3.30 tomorrow morning, you know, and, and, and it's either me coming on or a guest coming on, which you'll, you'll come on um, when you're ready as I'm well. I'm looking forward to it, brother. And the whole <laughs> idea is that is it gives me accountability, but I'm also helping other people get up in their dark every day. Yeah. Um, so that's where we became more than a run club. We became a community of people that start their day in the dark, that face their darkness, um, that, you know, um, helping them understand and share their experience of darkness you know because you know and and doing it as, as part of a collective not trying to solve your problems on your own but but asking for help and and putting your hand up and helping people identify and go hey I've, I've been through what you're going through and this is what worked for me well this is why these conversations are so great because we can have long in-depth conversations <coughs> about what what we're going through and using guys like yourself who are in a you know influential position of you know being around in a rug club for the last seven years and doing yep. the coffee club for the you know the last three or four years um you touched on tools yep. like you've got you've got and we've had a, intensive conversations about this tools yep. for your tool belt yeah and you used you know the coffee club as one of your tools yes what are what are some of the other tools that you use so um meditation's been a big big tool yep. um and i've been a vedic meditator for well, look, I did, <laughs> a girlfriend of mine got me to um, go and do my mantra back in 2012. I had no, I didn't even know what meditation meant. Yeah. She said, go and do this, paid money, went and got my mantra. And I'm like, great. Didn't use it. Um, then I, um, I'd be, I was friends with a guy called Matt Ringrose who runs Bono Meditation. He's been doing it for over 10 years, now became a teacher. And he helped me reconnect to to my practice and the thing I love about meditation is that um, there's no props yeah 
you get given a mantra. You don't even need your phone. You don't even need to watch. You can roughly work out what 20 minutes is. Do it anyway. And you can do it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You can literally do it. And do it. I do a lot of mine in my car during the day in between appointments. Um, lean against a wall. Um, you can do them in noisy locations. Um, it doesn't matter where you do them. Yeah. Sometimes doing it in a, in a noisy a noisy location is good because what it's teaching you to do in the whole, you know, for both for people listening and, and a bit worried about it and think it's a bit, you know, a bit trippy and a bit, bit out there. When you're meditating in a busy, noisy spot, it's actually teaching how to surrender to the noise around you. Mm. You know, and that's the metaphor for life. It's surrendering to stuff that, it, that the exterior stuff and just focusing on what's going on with you. We get distracted by all the bullshit and what's going on in everyone else's life and instead of just focusing on ourselves. So, so, so Vedic meditation has been an amazing practice for me. It's something that I can access every day. Um, the Run Club has been a tool. So Connection. You know, and 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 the coffee club, um, AA is a tool for me. You know, it's it's a, it's a, um, it's like church. Yeah. You can go, you go to any every AA, you can go as many AA meetings in any given day, on and and as many days as you want. Like they're open all over the place every day. And the beautiful thing about an AA meeting is that you're sitting with people that are also going through um, their their addictions and alcoholisms and what other isms they've got. And the common thread is um, sharing stories. And um, one of the things they say is, is, you know, rather than looking at the differences is, is listening for the similarities, you know. And, and I didn't understand what that meant. But it, basically what it means is that, you know, you're listening for stories which, you, and you don't go out there, you know, um, specifically looking to hear from them. But when you spend enough time there, you start hearing stories going, shit, that's me. Yeah. That's what I'm going through, and then then that you then then you tune in a bit. My person's got ten years of sobriety, I and mean, you start listening to what they do, how they got ten years of sobriety, and they help you normalise what you're going through to go shit. I'm not alone anymore. You know, there's someone else like me, mm. and then they start sharing um, their experience of what they've done to stay sober for ten years. You know, I get in the ocean. You know, I have a connection. I love surfing. Um, I still love training, um, and I train. I do things that, that, that sort of light my fire. You know, I, I mix it up. Um, you know, I do y- y- a bit of kinesiology. Yeah, there's there's cold therapy now. I love an ice bath yeah, every now yeah, and then. Yeah. And, and, you know, I love sleep. You know, I love jumping into bed in the middle of the day or on the weekend when, when you know, I've, I've got nothing to do. Yeah. And most importantly, you know, I've got... Um, an overflow of beautiful people in my life I can talk to on any given day, you know. So I've just accumulated all these tools over time, and and I think the biggest tool I've 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 gathered is is an open mind, mm. and having an open mind is is being brought to the surface by meditation. That you know I'm I'm open to suggestion. I don't rule things out because. You don't know if you don't like something to try it. I'd like to unpack the meditation bit. Like you yep. said, you said one of the benefits that you get is you become present. You know, yep. you become present. What are the other tools? Like if you were trying to, you know, pitch meditation to someone or some of the boys are like, yep. oh, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking about it. People said it's a good de-stressor. Like what yep. are the best benefits that you get out of it? You'll make better life choices. Yeah. And and the reason being you're, you're using a practice that you do every day, right? And we spoke about this at the start of the chat about overtraining. Yeah. So when you're sitting in stillness for 20 minutes twice a day, you might go into one of your meditations all over the place. You, you've had a stink with your missus or having a conflict at work. 
And you can carry that stress during the day and try and solve those issues while you're doing everything else. Yeah. So you don't actually solve them properly. But yeah. when you go and sit still for 20 minutes, when you don't want to, it feels like you're holding onto a, 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 um, a roller coaster ride, holding onto your seat. At some point during that 20 minutes, you'll sink into it. Mm. And generally what happens for me, in that 20 minutes, I resolve what I need to do. Mm. And that's either letting go of an argument with a mate and I'm trying to be right when it doesn't fucking matter. It might be solving a work problem you can't get your head around because as soon as you stop and you let go of all the bullshit around, all of a sudden the answer comes to the surface and it tells you what to do. Yeah. Um, it releases stress out of the body. That's the big okay, one. Okay, so I'll, that, ex and I'll explain that. So when, you're in an, when you've been in a horrific car accident, they induce you into a coma. And why? So, so the body heals, right? So when you're meditating, you go into a meditative state um, and, and what they call it transcending, you're putting your body into a concentrated state of rest, which is sometimes more effective than sleep. So what do you think you're doing when, when you're in that state of rest? Your body's healing. Mm. So it could be physically, it could be mentally and spiritually. And, that's re and what it does, it just releases stress out of the body. And you think about all the stress we've accumulated since birth. Yeah. Sport on the sporting fields, relationships, whatever, family trauma, everything, anything that anything that's upset us and anything that's it's just formed a trigger over time, we we've accumulated that, and we've got you know I've got forty odd years of trauma. Meditation releases that trauma and that stress. Um, it detoxes your central nervous system because you're you're putting yourself into that rest every single day if you stick to your practice. So eventually, what ends up happening, the things that were triggers aren't triggers. Yeah. The way you absorb information changes. The, the way you react to certain situations changes. The way you speak to your friends, the, the words you choose, you know, it all changes because you're sitting in stillness and you're actually thinking about what you're going to do before you do it. And you start learning through that practice. When you want to react and say something, you're going to go, I've been down this path before. Someone <laughs> yeah. said a similar thing to me and I said this and then it upset his missus and this is what happened. <laughs> yeah. And then you go, okay, this feels like the same bend I've been around before. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to pull the oxygen out of this thing. And you don't react. And all of a sudden, you don't react to that thing. You don't react to that thing. You are not reacting to the things you react. And guess what? There's no chaos in your life anymore. Yeah, yeah. And you don't need to go and punch your shit out of a bag. You don't need to go and de-stress. You don't need to go on these holidays and escape because... You're learning to live life on life's terms, you know, and, and you're realizing through this, and this is the big thing for meditation, what it's shown me, is that we're all experiencing, um, we're all going through shit. We're all, you know, experiencing trauma and, and drama and all the stuff. And when people act out towards us, it has nothing to do with us. Mm. And I start giving people leave passes and they're like, you know what, well, he didn't mean that. I hope he's okay. Before I'd react to everything. And when I started pulling oxygen and everything, which was through the meditation practice, nothing could penetrate me. Nothing could upset me. Because I realized that my reaction to them is what's going on inside of me. And, and so that I've, I've been fixing that yeah. by resolving my trauma, getting help, staying connected to the community, swimming every day. You know, and I heard something really good the other day. Um, on, it was on Instagram. It was from a guy from L.A., and I think it's it's one of the most beautiful things I've heard. And the guy talks about um, you take an orange, mm. 
Yeah. And, the, and he says, look, you know, what happens if you squeeze an orange and they're like, you know, orange juice comes out. And he goes, so apple juice doesn't come out? And they go, no, it doesn't. And he said, would you agree that, you know, between orange in particular, what, what, when you squeeze it, what's on the inside comes out? And they're like, yeah, that's right. So orange juice comes out. And he says, so when someone says something to you that um, you don't particularly like and you react, then what's happening in that moment? Mm. Um, and they're going, well, you're reacting with what's what's on the inside of you. Yeah. And I really got it. I, I really understood that because even if they've said something nasty or vindictive, you can still go back to them with love if you've got love on the inside. And if you've got anger and frustration and all this stuff and resentment, you can still go to that if they say something nice because you, you, you think they're having a go at you. Yeah. And you know, and when I heard that, and that's where today I live closer in that space where if someone goes to me with something negative, rather than, you know, biting back, I try and go back to them with love. If I don't have love, I don't say anything. I wouldn't have that without meditation. That's where I want to get to, mate. That exactly what yeah. you've And it's mate, a practice. It's daily work. It is, you know, I'm, I'm, as I said, three years and three months sober. Yeah. It's fucking tough. You know, it's like oh, you want to say and tell everyone how wrong they are. And then you go, well, why? I remember, I think it was Toddy. It might've been you actually. I forgot who it was, but they used the analogy of like, yeah, um, it's like a Coke bottle being shaken up. And every time you meditate, it's like twisting the head just a little bit, releasing that little yeah. bit of pressure. Yeah. I remember when we caught up on the weekend, we were talking about pretty much this exact topic yeah. as well. Cause I was just like, man, we've got a few stresses going on. Like, um, I'm trying really hard to like not react to, to certain things that are going on. And he said, the best thing that you can do is pretty much not give a fuck what they think, you know, and it's, and it's easier said than done. Yeah. And I understand that it is a process and it takes time, but you're like, do the things that you love. Like you're like, go for a swim, yep. go for a train, get around the boys. Like, you know, we'll do some stuff like, yep. like later on. But yeah, I don't know. It's, I know it's, I want to say like, it's easier said than done. But do you think it's just time? Like, it's just oh, time it, doing it? I've heard some really good stuff this year through a guy called Tom Knowles, who's probably one of the most profound um, Vedic teachers um, on the planet, especially within Australia. He's taught most of the teachers. And, and what we forget, and let's say, um, say you, 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 you're ignorant to a lot of things. Yeah. So, and ignorance is a practice, believe it or not. You practice being ignorant. Yeah. And we don't take that serious, but you think about it in any given day, like an ignorance could be someone giving some suggestion. I'm okay, thank you. Or why don't you try something, this, no, thank you. Ignoring how you feel. Mm. So in order to deal with ignorance, you've got to practice not being ignorant. Mm. So anything like that that's trivial, it's a daily practice. You've got to practice not being having carrying resentment towards people or an yeah. ex-girlfriend or an ex, you know what I mean? Like yeah. an ex, an ex, um, a team player or someone you played against, you know, and you had this tussle and I imagine that would have happened in football. Um, that's a practice. It's a practice to not have resentment towards that. It could be someone to put you on the sideline with an injury yeah. in the heat of a game. You can practice to not have resentment towards that person. It might take time, but it's something you can practice. So when you take about anything we are trying to improve, and this is through my lens, you can't do a certain amount of work and expect it to be gone. It is. And I'm not saying, we're not giving you a list of things that's going to take forever. Mm. 
but the more you you put uh, you give your attention to that whatever that resentment or whatever that issue is um and it becomes a daily practice Mm. Then it becomes part of you, and is it like catching it in the moment, like say, oh, you do, you, you have you, to catch it in the moment. Well, it, right? You just and through through meditation, because you're sitting with yourself every day, it gets to a point where something that someone would have normally said that would have triggered you, there's something that just switches over inside you that it doesn't even it doesn't even mm. come up on the radar. Yeah, it's like water off a duck's back, because you realise that. You're okay with who you are. You love yourself. And you probably know that person's not a bad person. They're just acting out because, you know, they're having a rough time with the missus at home and and, and there's some financial problems and there's Lofty's brother and, and they don't have the tools that you may have to navigate their stuff and they may not have the tools for their practices. So you're the, so you're, you're up on, you're the first person, you're the punching bag Mm. and you can either buy into that moment and have a tussle or you can you know you can just go to them with love i've heard a lot of people like talk about ants like automatic negative thoughts like and trying to get rid of the ants and it's that exact moment right like when you catch yourself and be like instead of going down that path of like nah stuff this guy instead of maybe thinking like oh like exactly what you said like maybe there are doing no he's wrong he's wrong no he he got it wrong yeah nine times out of ten you know you could have actually i think what I find is the more someone's adamant it's you, it's probably them. Yeah. And, 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 but you know what, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter. You can, you can apologize in that moment. And this is, it's actually interesting. What I, what I've realized the last three years is that if I have done something wrong, I've acted out and it's that, Oh no, I didn't do it. I now pretty quick to go, you know what? I might've pissed you off. I'm really sorry, but no, I'll, I'll that's on me mm. versus carrying it for a day or a week or two weeks or three months or th- three years, which we've all done. Yeah. And you hold on and, and I held on to a lot of stuff, a lot of resentment. Now I just, if I, if, if I know I've done the wrong thing, I'm like, Hey, I shouldn't have said that. Even if I've upset them, mm. I said, I want you to know I got it wrong. And they still might not want to have anything to do with you, but I, I don't, I give them that apology from the right place with a view that they still may not not want to talk to me. And it's an unconditional apology. So I'm not apologizing for them to go, it's okay. It's me doing the right thing in the time you're going, hey, like I fucked up. And then you have to then be prepared to wear the consequences that you might have overstepped the mark and they might need time. And that teaches where you're at, having patience and going, hey, Things might be okay down the track. For now, you've I've, you've done the wrong thing. You've apologised. Let it be. Give them space. Let them be. Now, if they don't come back to you, it says more about where they're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, maybe yeah. you can be of service to them down the track. Yeah. There's no point resenting them because they didn't accept your apology. Mm. You know, but that says a lot. Whether if they're not if they're not taking your apology, then imagine how many other people have that done, upset them, mm. and they're holding on to that too. And that person may need you down the track. We we talked about people being on their own journey yep. and like people having used the water analogy when we were on the phone the other day. And yep. I'd love you, I'd love you to tell that story if that's okay, because we talked about everyone's, everyone's on their own journey, right? And we can't affect what they're going to do, what someone else is going to yep. do. And the sooner you realize that you're on your own path and that you do things that make yours like yourself feel good, yep. the better you're going to be. And the, probably the more you realize you're not going to 
really give a shit about any anything else, mate. What, what, what was what was that story? I, what was that analogy? Do you I, remember? Um, I can't remember what you said. It was said about the water, but but it was like the ocean to the Parramatta. Oh yeah, um, sorry, the sorry, Parramatta, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I did. Yeah, I think it started off by saying that. Um, and it sounds a bit spiritual, but what again from Tom? Um, yeah, everything that you know, everything in our existence and and, and the way we live, everything's already happening. Mm. You know, like what what you're going to be doing in the next few months, it's it's, it's going to happen with or without you. You know, and you get to sort of steer. You get to sort of steer the ship, I guess, from the best and most conscious position you're in. And and one of the one of the examples Tom used was he's talking about the Parramatta River, how the river flows down from Parramatta and hits the ocean. Yeah. And he said the reality is the river is the ocean. You know, it, it it's not the river that turns into the ocean, which we think oh, it's a river now, and all of a sudden gets to a point and says, oh, now it's the ocean. Well, no, the, the, it's it's all the ocean. It's just flowing down to to the ocean. He said, so that river is flowing. Whether we want to try and... We can't stop it. There's things happening. He said, but what happens every now and then? The ocean likes to... And he talks in a bit, a bit of a trivial way. It likes to... <laughs> it goes back up and, and looks up, looks upon itself just to see, you know, look back on... And we look back in history and look where we've come from and where we to get to and... You know, the, the, the bends we've gone around to and, and the obstacles was overturned. And, and I guess what, yeah, what we're saying the other day and what I've realized now is that, um, and I guess I use my, you know, my, um, my drinking and my, and my substance abuse and, and, and people that I help now is that there's certain things I need to do every day to stay on my path. And I have to come first and I have to do them. Then there's people that you can recognize if they did similar things to you, they would, they would be better. But you can't make them do it, you know. Um, and they're going to do what they're going to do. And this is the whole thing, things that are happening. They're going to do it regardless of my um, help or not. Like they might tell me all week, I'm not going to drink this week. And I go, great, come to the run club, come and do this. They do all that. And then at 8 o'clock, they get an itch on Saturday night. And then they're having a few drinks and they're out. Go and blow a heap of cash, end up with the wrong people. Hit a rock bottom. Now, there's nothing I can do to prevent that. So me getting upset with them or feeling bad about it doesn't help me because mm. I've been there. And it's creating a safe space for them that they're not going to feel guilty and they're not going to feel full of shame from me. And they're not going to make excuses. No, not make excuses. And what will end up happening is they'll come back and they'll say, I shouldn't have done this, shouldn't have done that, great, I'm not going to do it again. And they go and do it again. And they come back and say the same thing. Now, I have all the time in the world for that. Because I'm not investing into going, look, you come to my house, I'm going to do this for you, and, you, and I'm taking myself away from me to try and keep this person out of trouble. You've got to let them keep falling. You've got to let them keep hitting their rock bottom. You've got to let them keep to the point where they break themselves, going, I can't live like this anymore. Mm. And what I've come to realize is that the more time I put into me and the more I stick to my plan and stick to, to, to my recovery and I put myself first, then I like to think I'm leading by example. Eventually, they're going to go, fuck. Like, what are you doing that's so different than me? I go, right. I'm going to AA every day. I'm meditating every day. I go to the run club every Saturday. I start my day in the dark. I say no to things. And I look at them and I go, right, which of those are you doing? And I, I guarantee they're doing fuck all. Mm. They might not be drinking, they might be training, 
but they're not prioritizing their sobriety. They're not prioritizing their mental health. And what it is, which I did, you look for shortcuts. You're like, I don't think my problem's that bad, and if I do this and I do that, and it becomes this mathematical equation that they think if they can solve the mathematical equation, they'll live a better life and they'll get sober or they'll learn how to drink better or they'll learn how to manage their their drink and drug intake or whatever it is. But the reality is they don't know who they are. They don't know what their purpose is, um, which is okay. And when you don't know any of those things, then you're not going to start leaning in on things that, that give you purpose and make you happy. Yeah. Because you, you don't know who you, who you are, so you don't know what makes you happy. Yeah. You've got a job, you think it's okay, it pays you to have a particular life and it, it attracts a particular type of girl. You train at a, a particular gym because it's a look and feel and then you, you fit in. But when, you, when you're left on your own and you're hitting that rock bottom and you're like, I don't know who I am. What tools do I have to lean in on? Well, you don't have any because you're not going to AA. You're not asking for help. You know, you're not getting up on a Saturday morning versus going out Friday night. And you need to let them hit that rock bottom. You need to hear it like, I am fucked. What, on their hands and knees going, please help me. And you go, right. You need to do 90 meetings in 90 days. Get in the habit of doing it. Um, let's get you meditating. Let's get you up before sunrise. Mm. You don't have to go and do anything excessive, but let's get your daily non-negotiables. Let's build out some tools that you can have access to every day, which is simple, that I don't overcomplicate. Now, you can get you up before sunrise. It might sting for a while which means you've got to get to bed early. So it might mean you might not be out socialising as much as what you you, you, you... you go to meetings at night. Like, you know, I remember going through periods I was going to two meetings a day just because my, my head was overactive and it was mm. stressing. And I just felt calm when I went to a meeting. But you're picking up things that you need to do daily. So for me today, you know, I've, I've, um, I've, I've got up and swam. I ran, I ran this morning. Ran early, bro. I swam... <laughs> Um, I jumped in and, and um, I did a class. Um, uh, sorry, I didn't do a class. Uh, that was yesterday. Um, uh, I did all my class my classes. I actually went and did some Pilates. Um, I've done some work. Um, I got to an AA meeting. Um, I've meditated. I'll meditate again later. You know, I'm, I've, I've just, um, I've been to physio and, and now I'm here. You know, so I've, I've, I'll have meditated twice. I've been on an AA you know, I'm talking with you now, which is therapy for me too. Mm. That's what, they're the things I need to do every day. And it just become effortless. It just becomes like, it's as simple as brushing your teeth. Mm. So then when people come to me, I can go, right, we've got three years and three months up now. This is what I've done. This is what works for me. It's suggested if you try some of these, it might lighten the load. Mm. But you've got you to invest into this every day. You can't, this is not a nine to five gig. It's not Monday to Wednesday. You know, I'm at this seven days. Now, during that, I'm part of a community that's growing. It's turning for me into a business. I'm happier than I've ever been. Um, the people, you know, and people including yourself, the, the beautiful people that come into my life in sobriety far outweighs the people that I might have been spending time with when I was doing it all. I think that's probably a, a challenge for a lot of people who are thinking about going sober. Like, perfect example yeah. for me, right? Like, I I look at the fact that if I was sober, I would be not less of a person, but I'd be less fun than yeah. if I was the person who yeah. was drinking a lot. And I've sort of, I'm not a huge drinker, to be honest. Like, when I was playing footy, I used to drink a bunch, obviously. Yeah. Um, I would have a 
few nights here and there, but I'm, I like going to bed early. Like, okay. to be honest, I like getting up early. I like going to bed early. I like getting up early. But there's this little part of me where it's like, I'm going to be, you know, less connected or I'm going to miss certain events or I'm going to be known as the guy who doesn't drink. Yeah. So I'm not going to get invited to certain things or, yeah. you know, my mates aren't going to want to hang out with me because we're like, oh, well, what are we going to do? We're going to go to the pub. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what? I don't know. I always thought that someone who went to AA meetings was someone who went so far down the other end of the scale that they just blew out and they're like, well, I have to do this. Otherwise I'll lose my family. I'll lose everything. Yeah. But is there people who go to the AA meetings who are like kind of, I guess I want to say like halfway on the, on the scale. Like what, what, so, what do you think? You know, you look at like, um, no, it's a good question. And there are people that I see in the program that, um, they got, 15, 20 years up, I haven't had a drink, but they're really unhappy mm. because they go to the meetings to um, get sober and be amongst other people going through it, but they don't then do any other work on themselves. They don't actually get to the bottom of the trauma. They don't actually find out who they are. And it's interesting what you said about, you know, whether, you know, you're going to get invited or not invited and, and, and then you look at, and through my experience with you, at the space you're growing into, um, you're trying to help a lot of people mm. through your experience in, in, in being a professional athlete. You know, going out and getting on the piss and stuff doesn't really fit into what you're, because you're out in front of presenting to people, talking to people, connecting to people. Mm. You need to be on. Now, you know, this is not a rant, but, but alcohol um, just makes you foggy. Yeah. You know, and um, and anyone will tell you, even people that drink, that it does, it restricts you. And you can, you know, I just use the word restrict. It restricts your life. Yeah. Simple as that. And, you know, when you work out who you are, which I see it in you, that you know who you are and the direction you have, like, you've got clarity. And in order to achieve that, there are adjustments you'll need to make in your life. You know, whether it's, whether it's drinking related or whatever, or relationships you're, you're engaged in. When you know who you are, you know what's right for you. Mm. And I now know for me, I know who I am, I know what I'm about, I know what my purpose is, you know. Um, alcohol just doesn't fit, mm. you, you know. And, and regardless of what it does to me or, you know, the behaviours that come out of it, in the space that I live now, it just doesn't work, which is wonderful. So, you know, what's happened with that is the people that have come in my life don't require me to go to pubs. Yeah. You know, and, and, and your good friends won't give a shit whether you drink or not. They don't, they'll go, right, we're going to the pub. Like, why don't we catch up for breakfast this week? You don't have to go and sit in the pub and you won't feel ostracized either. Yeah. But if you want to go and sit in the pub and have a couple of Pepsi Maxes or whatever you drink and watch UFC, you can. Yeah. I don't enjoy sitting in a pub anymore. It's just too, it just stinks of piss and, and, you know, and, you know, piss being alcohol. Um <laughs> and, and, and I, to be honest, like, to be brutally honest, I just watch... Um, the replay on things, I, I'd rather be out and about catching up with people and doing stuff. Mm. The idea of sitting in an enclosed space for me now, sitting around a round table and looking at a bunch of schooner glasses pile up, I look back on it now and I still can't work out where I saw the fun in it. Yeah. That's for me. It just it just doesn't... I'd rather go and sit in a movie. I'd rather go for a walk, you know. Um, I'd rather dip in the ocean. There's things that, that light my fire more than sitting around a round table and inside a you know, a beer, a beer drenched carpet um, and doing that. That's not for me when we go to the pub to connect and hang out. I 
don't feel I get the same connection as to what I would at a run club on Saturday mm. morning. Yeah. Or training with my mates, you know, mucking around, going for a surf with them, going up and down the coast. So, you know, my priorities have changed and I don't think about what I miss out on. I now look at what um, what's come into my life. There's more that's come into my world in the last three and a bit years than what I think. I, I don't I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything mm. at all, like nothing, and which is profound because I've done the work. I get help. I understand who I am. I've, I've worked out what, what makes me tick. I do things that, 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 um, that I like. I say no to things I've got no interest in. Um, you know, um, I'm open to meeting new people, but I'm also, um, I get excited about having time to myself too. Yeah. That's, that's, I, I love having time to me, you know, I, because I, I, because I know who I am and I know what makes me tick means that I'm not afraid I'm a shadow. I mean, I'm not afraid of who I am and that's taken work, you know, and daily practices to get to that point. It didn't happen overnight. Mm. Mate, very yeah, I, I knew that this conversation would just be <laughs> unreal, brother, mate. So thank you, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, yep. I, I want to use this as a way of learning, to yeah. be honest, like, self, yeah, like selfishly, mate, to no, be honest. That's, that's a lot of it. So, mate, I did learn a lot from today. So good. thank you so much for jumping on. Is there anything that we haven't discussed today that you'd like to talk about or that's impacting you lately? Um, yeah, look, I think, um, yeah, I, in, in just talking about, um, you know, sobriety and you've mentioned today, you know, our journey, you know, I think, um, don't be in a hurry to get places, mm. you know, and, and resolve all your, your stuff. Um, and don't always think there's things that need to be resolved. And, and I, you know, I guess, you know, our consciousness and you talk about meditation and, and I had a, an energy healer many years ago, said, Trent, your consciousness is, is meant to evolve. You know, and, and as human beings, we're designed to evolve. And it means that, um, you know, things that work for you today may not work for you tomorrow. And it's how you a a approach that. So for me, you know, sobriety is right now a big part of my life. And, and it's um, it's been a vehicle to, to live a better life. But that doesn't mean that you get to a point where you've done enough work and everything's okay. Like I've, I've had some challenges this year and... You know, you have good days and you have rough days. Um, and when you're sober, um, they suck, you know, because you're not numbing it with everything, with anything. And, 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 and I guess being a male, it's really in the last 12 months for me, it's highlighted how um, important of a discussion men's mental health is, yeah. you, you know. To getting sober is one thing and, and doing all the work on that sort of stuff. But men's mental health is something that... Um, I've really, I really understand this is something that we need to pay more attention to and band more together because as much as you can celebrate sobriety and doing all that cool stuff, like, and, and like, you, you still got to, I guess what I'm saying, you still got to keep up your work. Mm. You know, you got still got to not overtrain, still got to have your tools, acquired tools. You've, like, you know, to finish on, like I went back to my psychologist last week. Right, so you, you, good. You know, it was long overdue. I've had some family stuff I've been um, in the thick of lately, which it, which hasn't been, it hasn't been great, but it's life and it happens and other people are going through similar stuff, but it's it has taken its toll on me and, it, and I've been getting these extreme hangovers from it all. But 
the positive is, and I guess because I do meditate, it's, it's got right. Go back and see Angus, and Angus is my psychologist, and you know I'm back seeing him every fortnight. So it's it's put a rocket up me that I need to continue that stuff. So don't ever think that you'll ever get to a point you've done enough. It's it is a journey, and embrace it. Don't be in a hurry to get anywhere. Don't be in a, in a hurry to fix everything. Lean in on the people around you. You know I think leaning in is important. And I think leading by example is just as important as that as well. I think they're the things this year for me have been really important topics. You know, lead, leading by example and leaning in. It's like the life you live is a lesson you teach others, right? Correct. I yeah. love that. Yeah, And you can only help people through your own experience. Mm. That's one thing I'm big on is I'll only share my experience. I won't share what someone else's experience is. It's like someone asks me, I'll tell them what I did. And then they can take that any way they want and they can trial it. Just don't get caught up with talking about someone else's experience or what they told you because yeah. that'll that'll blow up. Noxie, you're the best, <laughs> mate. Thank you so much. I got a lot of love for you. Thank you for sharing. Thanks um, for having me, mate. You're the best, mate. Good on you.